Only eight points off safety, and the relegation scrap is on. Here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and making its triumphant return to the pod. No, it's not a person. It's a beer. It's my favorite dark winter beer. It is the Spaten Optimator, uh, 7.3% Doppelbach from Munich, Germany. It just always hits a spot for me. Also on the line this week, he promised us low-calorie beer. Patty Jones, what do you have for us? <laughs> you may have just seen me grimace as I just took a little sip of it. So, uh, excitingly, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a tea, sparkling hop tea. It's a tea brewed with uh, Simcoe and Citra hops uh, and black tea. It's tea brewed like carafe beer, it says. It's zero calories, zero alcohol, zero fun, um, <laughs> and very little taste. Uh, it's, it's like weak iced tea. I have to send you some of the athletic brewing from up here. Supposedly it's <laughs> quite... <laughs> uh, it's like weak I'm, iced tea with the worst part of a beer taste. I'm sad I'm not recording this, like the video, because that was priceless. Also on the line in the Boston area. It's Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Uh, back up to Vermont, trying to keep my beers in New England for the Rutland Beer Works. I started with a sour tonight at the liquor store and put it back because I saw Flash's Oktoberfest. Um, so Rutland, Vermont is a pleasant little town, nice little brewery up there, and I've decided to start drinking the fall beers now since the season is starting to shift. I've already moved to the winter beers. I guess Doppelbach can be fine for fall as well could have that all year i could i do on the agenda this week we will review the qpr game we'll cover some wednesday news and uh once again we'll uh, go a little globetrotting and we'll go from there no reviews uh no previews the international break is coming up uh and our our uh our rookie our new guy decided we're not going to get a week off for the international break, but we're going to come back and preview the Birmingham and Brentford games and maybe the transfer deadline if anything happens as well. So that's we're what's going to happen. We're going to talk about a brand new striker next week. That's what we're going to talk about for half who won't, an hour. Who won't actually be a striker? Be like a number eight or something, but he can play striker. <laughs> we're going to sign number nine and give him number 26. <laughs> How many legs will he be coming off of that were broken? That's the question. <laughs> Uh, we won't do a 90 and 90 this week because we wanted to do some lineup discussion in the QPR game. Obviously, Wednesday was forced into a couple changes with Izzy Brown and Dominic Iorfa unavailable for selection. Patty, what did you first think when the lineup was posted? Uh, shit, first of all. That was the first thought because obviously they're literally two of our best players. Uh, Iorfa might be the best. Um uh, and any um, further weaknesses to that defense uh, worries me. Um, and they, they chose Shaw over um, Burner, which I thought was surprising. Um, and shows just how far down the ranks Burner's fallen now, not even to get on the bench. Um, but sadly, for we could have we could have used him on the bench. <laughs> yeah, by the end of the game, we could have done with another five defenders on the bench. Um, and then they switched. Um, Reach uh, to <laughs> we maybe find a position. Who knows? Uh, to left wing back, uh, which I mean, is when back at the beginning. We signed him as a 
left back essentially, right? Originally, I know he could play left wing or left back, but we signed him. He, as a, he a was left, left back, attacking yeah. left back, which is yeah, yeah whatever. An old fashioned way of saying left wing back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought he was actually. I guess we're kind of. I don't want to pivot. Yeah, I thought he was quite good at left wing back, and I think the reason is. When he plays that position, he has very clear responsibilities and very clear stuff that he has to do. Like, he can't really freelance. I mean, he can still cut in and whatever, try to hit a worldie every once in a while from that spot. But he's not going to be a sort of, I think, frenetic without actually accomplishing anything. He goes up. He makes the overlaps. He crosses. And he's got a pretty good cross on him. And I think he just, and then he runs back in defense. He's not a very good defender, but whatever. He's a wing back. Who cares? Well, I don't think yeah. we've played wing backs since we've had him, at least not much. Maybe under Yost might have. Yeah. Uh, so when he first signed for us, he was playing proper left back. And like I say, it wasn't good enough in defence to be a, a proper left back. But he's certainly good enough to be a left wing back defensively. And he's way better um, than, say, Matt Penny on that left. But I mean, that does mean obviously Kadeem goes to the right um, because he's been fantastic so far at wing back, which means that. Palmer loses position. A bit older, Palmer might be the... our starting center back for the next couple of weeks. It <laughs> might have sold the fact we, we were trying to get a right winger in too, weren't we? So yeah. if it, it makes logical sense if we each can just have a good season at left wing back. And what was illuminating for me was the conversation afterwards where he said, is there another conversation with the gaffer after the famous one at the beginning of the season where apparently they both agreed that he was going to be a striker. Now, that was what Gary Monk said. I think in an interview at the beginning of the season, but Reach's versions of our, that event our, seemed very different. <laughs> our strikers, <laughs> are, our strikers, our strikers are right back, and our left wing back's a striker. It makes perfect sense. But he said nothing after the game. They had another conversation with the gaffer, and they now agree that he's better at left wing back. Oh, he agrees at left wing back. Uh, so that's his natural yeah. position. We finally found out after four years yeah. of a lot of Adam Reach is he is left wing back. So. Mm. I think that's a really good position for him. I I thought when he first came up as a as a um, left sided fullback and and obviously with attacking tendencies, I thought he showed some good attacking tendencies. But you're right, the defensively that wasn't there. I, my notes for the game, uh, real early on, my third set of notes, you know, ten minutes in, said reach looking comfortable question mark reach looking confident question mark. And I think even from there, 10 minutes in, well, you hesitate to make a declaration that early, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, just the body language on him. And, and I don't want to overrate body language. I tend to be a pretty analytical and scientific, take a scientific approach to the game, but it was clear he was comfortable. He, he was happy sitting out there. He knew what he needed to do as Jeff said. And it was, I, I think limiting that and giving him the ability to go up and down and, and put a cross in and not try to do too much more really helped him. I'm I'm very content with him being the starting left wing back for this team. I think I think he'll get the job done. I think get a point to prove too, right? If he's petitioned to get back into that spot uh, in Gary Monk's plans, and maybe Monk wasn't convinced, I'm not sure, but he certainly can't have been convinced of the striker performance either. Um, <laughs> he doesn't really fit in a midfield three like that either. No, he's got a, he's got now got competition for the attacking midfield role too, so he's kind of he has to make that left wing back role his now, and it, it is a vacant position pretty much. I mean, you've got Kaz that can play over there because he's on the right. You've got Matt Penny who's still young and not really proven anything. 
Um, but I think first choice left wing back should have reached his name on it uh, if he can get his acting gear. And it's it's definitely start to have problems than I thought. Yeah, the other major change in the starting lineup was Izzy Brown out and Faseo Deli Bashiru in for his sort of first full cap in the league as a Wednesday player. Obviously, he. he started and played most of both of the cup games or all three of the cup games. I was, uh, again, he's still, you know, I do baseball prospects for a living and he does seem like kind of a guy that's still trying to adjust to, I don't want to necessarily, it is a higher level of competition than like the Manchester uh, city under 23s or whatever. It's maybe not, I don't know, like like he obviously has the pure talent to do it, but he kind of has to adjust to what we would call the speed of the game, and the speed of the game in the championship is just a little bit different. Yeah, I so if we can dig into him a little bit, I I thought the larger issue was some in the first half was the gap between the midfield and uh, the forward line, and and that's where Izzy Brown has been so well to start this year. He's able to slide forward and really be the connector between those two. Uh, Fizz was playing a little bit further back and uh, Bannon was playing much further up on the left. And, and in fact, when I looked at heat maps, Bannon and Reach's heat maps almost overlapped, which to me, that's on on Baz. Uh, the one thing I liked about Fizz, though, is he was the one guy in the first half for me that was getting the ball and trying something. Everybody else on the team was getting the ball. A little too much at times. It long. Um. Yeah, but everybody else, everybody else no, I know was what you mean. it long. And and he was the one guy who who was actually a couple times tried to make a play. You're right, he got dispossessed a couple times. And some of that, I think, Jeff, speaks to your point. He's a 19-year-old trying to adjust to the championship in, let's let's be honest, too, some horrific weather to be, <laughs> to be playing football. That was Classic tough. Classic uh, uh-huh. fall Yorkshire day. <laughs> oh, just... Just awful. Uh, yeah, the pitch. And, we didn't really talk about the pitch. I, it looked like an absolute mess out there. Guys just falling over left yeah. and right. And, yeah, this is well, a constant problem. It... Yeah, this is a constant problem in Hillsborough with the 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 state of the pitch and the fact the fact that so many people fall over and yet we haven't invented studs long enough for them to keep upright. <laughs> Uh, it's I don't know what it is. It's not just our players. Obviously, it's the opposition finds it tough too. It might have something to do with why I haven't really won since February there. I mean, this goes uh, back to like the uh, what the Brighton playoff game where they had four players go off with injuries. <laughs> well, I, I thought the pitch just felt, um, I, I, don't, I don't know the correct term, but like spongy. Yeah. Right. Like, like the grass wasn't coming up or anything, but it was, it was really soggy. And, you know, it's not like those old like eighties footage where you're just like putting divots all over the place. Right. And yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. you've got, you know, it's 30 years later, you've got the technology to, to create it well, but it doesn't drain well and it, and it didn't drain well. Um, and, and I don't want to distract too much and go off point, but I, I thought that was one of the biggest issues for us. This game is we've been so successful this year, often just for one half, but so successful this year, applying pressure to the other team. And I don't know if it was because of the weather but we did not pressure QPR that entire first half. We didn't step to them. We gave them all sorts of time on the ball, and they dominated us because of that. 
Um, Josh Windass is a guy who I've obviously talked up this year. His game is to pressure. He, he was non-existent. He was non-existent this game. And I don't know if that was an intentional uh, idea by Monk to back off of them or the weather didn't want us to be charging recklessly and sliding into them. I'm not sure why the players did, but we were really lacking that pressure that we've been applying on other teams this year. We've made Bristol City look look not great for a half. We made Watford look not great for a half. We dominated Cardiff all by putting pressure on the other teams. That didn't exist, uh, certainly in the first half last week. And, and I thought that was a major factor for us not you know, being in the game. I think we're, I think it comes down to Monk hasn't found the strike partnership that he wants to use going forward yet. Obviously, uh, you know, Callum Patterson got in to the game this week and he and Windass, they're, they're not duplicative per se, but I don't think they, their skill set complements each other well. Like Patterson was very much in the sort of the Stephen Fletcher mode where he was trying to hold up or do flicks and stuff like that. And Wind Ashley wants the ball direct over the top. So he wants to get that ball and like, he wants the same balls that are going to Patterson, but he wants them over the top instead of like the second ball flicked on. And it didn't seem like he could really interact with him well or time his runs properly. And they weren't winning those second balls. I do like Callum Patterson a lot from what I saw. Um, it's just funny that he seems like such a weird fit for this team. Cause like, He's really good with the flick on. He's really good with the long throw. And we just can't do anything on the end of either one of them. <laughs> yeah. So he I think needs... finding he like, so we have like three strikers. I, I, I'll put Kachunga out of it. Like, so Kachunga should be like the guy to pair with them as like the little fast guy. But I just don't think he can really, he hasn't shown me enough to say he can really do that role. But I don't think that you can pair Rhodes, Windass, and Patterson in any kind of striking setup as, as a two-striker setup. I don't think, like, you know, I wonder if we're better off playing something like a, well, you know, whatever you want to call it. If it's a five, I mean, essentially functioning what's a five-four-one. Yeah, and trying to and get trying to get Bannon out wide, maybe. On the left I don't, I don't and... know if that's Monk's actual plan or not. And until he gets the players in at the end of his transfer window, I'm not even sure what that plan is. But I mean, how but... many more players are realistically coming in in this transfer window? This is the squad. I mean, he's like talked about bringing in another striker, and like maybe you find a striker that pairs better with the you know the current crop of center forwards. But I I don't think he's remaking the squad. I think we've pretty much seen when healthy once outside of maybe the strike combo. What his preferred starting eleven is? You know, do we sneak yeah. Jacob Murphy back on loan, which allows us to play him out on the right in a in a formation like that, and Bannon out on the left, and Izzy Brown, and then Luongo in the holding role. Luongo again was excellent too. Like every game, yes. he seems to he seems to be such. Like I know he played a little bit further forward last year. He is a really great fit in that holding pivot role. Nearly killed the man too on his yellow card during second half. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that was a. There was some comparisons to Hutch earlier in the season. Every once in a while, like you just got you got to make them think about it. It could be in the back of the mind of the of the striker, the attacking midfielder. They know that, you know, he's he's a fantastic player. I think he's 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 my early bet for player of the season. Um, Let's 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 get into the game itself a little bit. And 
obviously we'll, we'll talk first of all. The first incident was obviously poor Shaw on his first kind of league debut. That looked of bad. Five minutes. <laughs> yeah, he kind of rolled. Almost like he rolled he got rolled up on. on. Yeah, he got. Yeah. So that wasn't uh, ideal. Push after he was the replacement for the offer, uh, and obviously you get Palmer coming to centre half, which I wasn't too concerned about. I mean, Palmer's a kind of steady hand wherever you put him nowadays in the back, um, and he didn't not really trouble us at all in that first half. I think they had the probably slightly best chance of that first half with the uh, corner from chair, um, and the uh, and it was the the, the good old. OG Trump Stan Jeff Cameron on the uh, front post <laughs> with the uh, volley uh, uh, the Dawson saved admirably. Um, so that North was... Attleboro, Massachusetts, by the way. Is Man, he that, from there? Really? That tracks. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes it does. <laughs> Sorry, Patty. No, no, and I just think it was a bit of a non-event, really, the first half, wasn't it? Like, so we didn't. Wasn't much, much in it, yeah. Yeah, uh, they had a half. They had a half chance. We had a half chance. Uh, and I think probably our best opportunity was when Windash broke free from like Bannon ball and over the top. And it just seemed like he dawdled a bit. On the, yeah, like, he took like, he, got... he didn't need to take six separate touches there or whatever he did. Just whack it. No. And, it, and we've seen him do, do that yeah, yeah. in previous games where he just takes it in his stride and just, he's like so direct. I don't know what happened when he thought he was offside or not, but he was, they were well defended too, to be fair to the um, QBI at the back. Uh, but yeah, that was. There was basically that and a half chance from Patterson, which got blocked, and that was all I could really muster from that first half. And then Luongo just throwing himself around midfield for most of the game. Um, but yeah, and I, I was like, well, we haven't really applied the pressure much in the first half. Something needs to happen in the in the halftime uh, thingy. I did. <laughs> we lost <laughs> another yeah. defender. <laughs> yeah. Can I talk about before we talk about the second half? Yeah. QPR. They purposely delayed both starts to the game right it's like the the first half they were like yeah. three minutes late i was then, running late to get getting like i follow up and i was worried because i was making coffee and like like when i finally got it up like we were just coming out and then like keep checking out like three minutes later so and then obviously the uh, less verdant did last week that they weren't going to do the kneeling anymore which is fine i respect that but they look so awkward when we kneeled before the thing. The, the players just kind of looking around going, oh, we didn't think about this eventuality. Now we look like knobs. <laughs> and that was weird. And so I don't know whether they talked about it. I don't know what was going to second half. They came out again about three or five minutes late. And I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Should they get some kind of penalized for this? They can't just like hold the entire game back. That was weird, I thought. I don't know what was going on, but yeah. I thought we were a lot better in the second half. Um, yeah, I, I thought. Well, I mean, for me, I just, for twenty three minutes of it, yes, we pressed a little more, pushed it, had, right. uh, and like, uh, you know, it was an own goal to open the scoring. But if it hadn't been, Windass was right there for a tap in. It wasn't like it right. wasn't. It was a, it was a nice bit of play down the left and beautiful ball from Bannon yep. uh, over the top of the left back, mm-hmm. right back, um, and then yeah, reach showing like why, why he's not left wing. Yeah. <laughs> You know, sixty. Well, I thought I thought we were just comfortable on the ball. Yeah. In the second half, that was that was the change. Um, and I actually thought that uh, Fizz pushed up a little bit and, and closed that gap up. Um, and, and some of that gap, unfortunately, was closed up by Windass and Patterson coming back, um, which I think probably limits us a little bit. Um, but it, I, I think the whole second half was just a lot calmer. We would get the ball and and look up, and I I don't want to keep going back to previous games and the successful halves that we've had, and we've had at least one successful half, 
in each league game. Um, but that's what it is. It, it said we're putting a lot of pressure on other teams. And then when we have the ball, we're calm on it. We're taking that extra second to find a player um, and, and move that ball comfortably up instead of just what we saw in the first half, which is Bannon turning and, and hammering it deep and hoping something good happens. And it just, it wasn't <laughs> the day for Overshooting it. it by 10 yards and someone throwing the courtesy thumb up, thumbs up. For <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, I, I actually, so we had the nice, the goal, because you're right, Jeff, I think that's a goal, even if it's not an own goal. I, yeah. I think Windass probably taps that in. It's a great play. That's we're up to the what roughly like 65th minute uh, when when Pelopesi comes in. Yeah, um, and like and I think I, I'm okay. I'm okay with that substitution in the situation. Yeah, see, I wasn't at all. So let me make this point. And feel free <laughs> I mean, to, I'm feel so free I'm to never I'm off. never okay with seeing Joey Pelopesi if we can avoid it. But like I I would have been fine with it. You know, Deli Bashir really hasn't played 90 minutes uh, with that kind of. Uh, at that level yet. And we don't have a ton of other center mid options. You know, Alex Hunt has picked up a knock as well and was unavailable for selection, but it just, you know, it, it was a precursor to parking the bus from there on out, which I did not agree with. Well, so that's exactly it. And, and that was my issue. My issue was less with bringing Joey in and more with that. It was a shift in mentality where we had spent the first 15 to 20 minutes of that half playing more of the kind of football that we want to play, pushing up, closing that gap down. And, and, and I can see Fizz being, you know, 19 and saying, hey, let, let's get him out. But I thought he was much better in the second half. He was one of the guys who was calm on the ball. He was pushing the ball forward. We're doing that. And then there's more than 20 minutes to go. That's also the say, last bullet you can shoot because you've been forced into two substitutions already. Right. No, and that's – I just – I didn't, I didn't like that idea. I, I think it was a shift. And, and again, I don't know that they necessarily parked the bus and were crap from there on out. I, I don't think that's I, the I, case. Look, look, so the, the, the debate here is going to come down to, you know, we've seen this team concede so many times in the last six months in the, you know, the 85th minute on. And they did it again. And it was, you know, I thought they, up until that last ball in, they did an excellent job seeing out the game which is fine you know having tom lee's you know go down having to play down a man for the last 10 minutes or so and him not being able to even if they just pulled him off originally it would have the game already been over because it was into the six minute of stoppage time at that point i get all that it's just for me you know i said it at the outset it feels different to be eight points off safety than six points off safety which they could be right now and it's i know it's whatever it's it's fine they've gotten four points safety right now is is like they got to beat one point so it's the pace is fine i think they'll get there god the bottom of that league looks like shit but just you cannot let they dropped so deep for that last cross, and they you got to know it's the last kick of the game at that point. You can't, you got to like not give up a free header. You just can't give up a free header. I don't care if you've got eight men on the pitch. You cannot give up a free header there. Go ahead, Justin. So, no, I I don't disagree with that, and I'm glad you raised the point that that's not that they did play that game out. I was waiting for that final whistle. They played with ten men and they controlled the play. 
multiple times. They brought it down and put it in the corner. Windass brought it down to the corner one time. Harris brought it down to the other corner. They ran that clock out. QPR did jack shit up 11 men to 10 men. And it was a fabulous ball into the box and a nice header. We'll give them credit. That's where Tom Lees would have been playing. And he would have done what he had done all fucking game long, which is clear things out. Tom Lees was my man of the match that game. I thought he was the best player on the pitch for us. Luongo was great. Harris was great. I, I appreciated that. I thought Lees was an absolute rock, given the fact that he had two different guys on his right go down. And Lees held that down. He cleared everything out. He marshaled the defense. Lees was phenomenal. That ball went exactly where Tom Lee's head would have been. And I get that as Wednesday fans, we have a predetermined tendency towards uh, almost a humorous, humorously dark look at life. I think that's that Yorkshire influence. And those of us that are Americans have somehow, somehow picked that up. Uh, through osmosis and and we tend to look oh, at I think we're attracted lately. to it more than uh, some of us sure we, we yeah, bring it to I, the I team rather than in, in, I, get it influenced by the team for sure. <laughs> for sure but at the same time to me this was not the same old story this was not oh Wednesday they conceded late no this isn't just oh, them parking the bus and running around like it, in chaos it, it isn't we but again you can't be in that squad right now and not know this is a relegation scrap from day one. And you but gotta, who, who doesn't know that? I know, but you got to pick. It's three points at home against QPR. You it have sucks. to see it, it out. Was a, it was a kick in the nuts. Yeah. Everybody, everybody on the squad, everybody at home. That was pretty close to a weekend ruiner. And we and all like, joke about I, I a weekend ruiner. Yeah. But that was not what we saw in... February, that was not what we saw in May. That was not what we saw in June, July, or whenever the fuck last season. And that was a team that down a man, forced into weird substitutions, down half of their defense, battled and battled. And, you know, shit happens in football sometimes. And, and it's hard to not feel like that's the same. But to me, to, to see the outpouring of, oh, same old Wednesday, Monk sucks. It just drove me nuts. It was not the same to me. It didn't have to be either, right? Because we had two fantastic opportunities before that went in, which, again, a uh, little bit of luck, a little bit of kind of uh, good goalkeeping. Like Luongo smashed it off the bar. Mm. That, would have, that would have capped off his performance, I thought. It brilliantly held off the defender <clears throat> after a good work from uh, Harris on the left. Uh and he was just unlucky. He just went for power and it, it just hit the bar. And then I think before that, there was uh, Reacher's uh, volley from Harris again. I think Harris had a great game and he's going to be like the, like the yeah. third or fourth down the line in the man of the match, but still definitely deserves a mention uh, because he put a beautiful cross in for Reach. And that was uh, up there, well, could have been up there with one of the worldies that Reach was renowned for two years ago. And if that went in, again, game over. We've killed it off. Uh, it's a little bit of luck. We, we, we're kind of losing that on a little bit of a bit more clinicalness in, in the final third. And when we talk about completely different kind of dominant performance um, against adversity of uh, losing three defenders. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. And yeah, I, I was the first one out there at full time tweeting another weekend successfully ruined. <laughs> 
because yeah, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's miserable. It's miserable. Both the truth, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's just frustrating because you know they got through. It was a really tough month with four points, and I said, you know, last week I wanted two, and they got four. But now we're turning into sort of the, I guess, the more winnable games. We're not previewing this week, like. I know Birmingham's gotten off to a better start than Brentford. They should beat Birmingham. They never beat Brentford, whatever. The only thing I know about Brentford is just the uh, clip I saw on Twitter of Michael Hector getting completely done in the uh, League Cup game last week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it Ben Rama? Ben yeah. Rama, like Meg, yeah, Meg yeah. Um, But, you know, at some point, it was miserable. They should have won the game. I did come away from the game less worried despite the fact that we should be on negative six instead of negative eight or negative seven negative seven um negative five instead of negative seven we get the positive numbers so i can do math better after uh most of a doppelbach uh i i came away assuming we can keep any of the defenders healthy for the rest of the season uh less concerned about us staying up ironically enough well, I think we can give them a pass, right? So it's early in the season. We've seen a change in effort. We've seen a change in, in tactics. Uh, if they're still doing this in two months down the line, we can equally we can be equally pissed off that we haven't changed much. Um, we can bemoan lack of luck all we want, but if it's consistent, then it's not luck. It's, it's something that we're not doing properly. <laughs> well, I mean, it is also, it's a lack of clinical finishing, right? Like we don't have people who can finish this off you you think of the the bristol city game where we dominated the first half where we should have been up one or two goals and you've got uh watford we dominated the first half we should have been up one or two goals um they, that could be we could be three and one in the league right now you know and saying oh man qpr threw in a, a header in the 96th minute and aside from that we'd be undefeated if we could put balls away we don't have that right now or it's not quite happening right now i mean we're so, not we're not a great football team this is not <laughs> nobody's here to debate this but i i'm i'm glad jeff that you and hopefully others have come away from from this opening sequence with a little more positivity because jeff how many games are left in the season too many <laughs> 42 games that is a endless they're gonna come up hard and fast too because it's, it's already true. october it's true but I, a lot I can't of be, like Tuesday night games in Billwall. <laughs> I can't maybe be only one, but still a lot of them. The, looking at the standings here and, and getting too concerned. The, the overall thing. Is I did right checks. I was eight. just like curious where the bottom three was right now, and it's zero, zero, and one. So, right. Well, that's the other thing. There's a couple absolute trash teams mm. in this league right now. But you know, the, again, the reality is, if we're not going to look at the standings, or we're not going to overrate a four-game sample size, which Jeff is a baseball guy. I hope you don't. Uh, we're going to say, what's going on with this team? They've got good team spirit. They're working hard. They're able to have players get injured and replace them with people who can at least fill in. I, I thought Adebayo played well as coming in for Palmer in the 46th minute. There's no chance he thought that was going to happen. And he came in, and I didn't – Notice him once, which with him, that's <laughs> that's exactly what we're looking for, right? Thankfully, neither did the referee when he tried to pull someone behind the penalties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. I, true. Yeah, I was, yeah, that true. was that. I've seen, I've seen that given. Let's say that. I will just, I'll wrap up the segment with this because I talked about how it's sort of, you know, it's zero, zero, 
and one for the points total for the bottom three. And like, I just, I just can't imagine not having won a league game yet. Can you, Patty? Could you imagine not having won a league game yet? No, I don't think you can. All right. So well, on that not note, having scored a goal. Yeah, imagine not having insinuated what I'm not, not having scored a goal or won a league game yet. That would be rough. Not you might be prone to some overreaction. <laughs> Do something stupid. On that note, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will cover the Wednesday news for the week. Now it's time for your Wednesday news. And last week we discussed who we would vote for for Player of the Month. But the massive Wednesdays have spoken. And it's Josh Windass. Patty, this is fine. He scored two goals. <laughs> we scored four goals. It's good. Are you saying it's fine as a statement to stop me from arguing against it? <laughs> no, you, if you want to argue against it, go for it. I'm just saying it's whatever. I think uh, Luongo deserved it more than yeah, Windass. Sure. But I'm not going to die on the hill. I mean, he's, he had a decent start. Uh, I think he should have probably scored more than the two goals he's got. Uh, and I think he, he's probably kind of uh tailed off towards the end of the month but uh what do i know i'm not the majority of wednesday apparently it was a close call of well i'm, I'm sure the one was just close second but james actually called him last week and he does his, his player mm-hmm. justin you were on the show last week so who would have been your wednesday player of the month uh probably kadeem harris which is strange because i don't know what i mean you know he hasn't scored, and I don't know how many assists he has. But um, to me, he's been he's been everywhere, every game. Uh, I I think Windass would be probably third, fourth for me. And Windass is fine. And Patty, it's a great point about him kind of tailing off a little bit. I know the second show of the season. Uh, you know, I mentioned being stunned at at some of Windass's ability to thinking he was just sort of an engine and, and being surprised at some of his tactical ability to, to attack the net and score. And we haven't seen that in the last few games. You know, that's just just been missing. So had had Luongo, Harris, Lee's, you know. But in in the end, I, I actually, Patty, I I laughed, but you're you're right. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, for the month of September, we played six games, scored four goals, and conceded four goals. So just like not a lot happened, basically. Right. So it's fine. <laughs> what are you going to do? It's a lot of effort, but not a lot of uh, results. Uh, which kind of describes Josh Windass in a lot of ways. So fair enough. He has skied the ball so many times in the last <laughs> few games from like five yards out. He should have had about five or six. Uh in other Wednesday news, uh, Hillsborough is getting a second mortgage, as best we can tell. Um, so I, I don't know how much... N- none of us are real estate people. None of us are finance people. Uh, I don't think Peter Lohman's tweeted about it yet, so we're kind of on our own here. Uh, Joe Cran did write about it uh, in The Star. Uh, so best I can tell is that obviously when... Hillsborough was sold to some mysterious black box consortium, definitely not also owned by Defon Chenseri. I assume it was not uh, all scheduled to be paid up front. So there's some kind of like payment plan. 
And given that there's no revenue coming in from tickets for now or the foreseeable future, like, you know, Wednesday, like any number of sports teams, both in English soccer, European soccer, and elsewhere, are likely to deal with cash flow problems. So it looks like they've essentially taken out a loan using Hillsborough as collateral based off the value of Hillsborough from selling Hillsborough to, again, some mysterious company also probably owned by Defon Chanziri. I like so I don't think this is kind of the situation where you worry necessarily long term about like losing your ground like some teams have. But I think it just and again it's it's still very unclear. This like broke today. Uh it's still very unclear sort of what this means for you know any team going forward given that they just don't have the money coming in that they would have had a year ago, six months ago, nine months ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm far from a financial guy, which is probably why I've been broke my whole life. I, I have trouble understanding some of this. I remember in 2010, um, and especially from some of the British terminology and, and the way that things are handled, I, in 2010, like, furiously googling like what are winding up orders and what is vat and like trying to figure out what was going on with wednesday back then hey so for me to look this up i i think you got it jeff i think it's basically it's like a home equity loan (laughs) getting some money short term uh because uh we're looking to support uh, and hey, some look, of the recent acquisitions illegally inflating the value of Hillsborough, giving us a 12 point deduction might have gotten us a better loan standard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. I mean, the only problem here, right? The only problem is if we can't pay back mm. these loans. And I haven't seen anything yet to suggest that's the case. I don't think like, I, so this is also probably separate from like FFP. So Chancery right, can just, exactly you know, write a check at some point if he needs to. The tuna bucks in, um, yeah, the tuna I bucks. mean, he's put 75 million, hundred million into this club. He's put an obscene amount of money into this club. And it's never been suggested to me that he's running short or that that's an issue. And in fact, the whole thing has always been that, if we didn't have FFP, he could just flood the club with all the money we needed and we'd be good. So, I mean, well, and we'll see, Jeff, you raised the great point. This is, it just broke today. There's no actual information. Nobody has real numbers. And it seems like something that, uh, as you pointed out off, uh, off of recording, um, that all teams are dealing with and, you know, in this day and age. And it's better than obviously again, you know, baseball is sort of my stock and trade and day job. And you've got, you know, baseball teams with huge franchise valuations, you know, far beyond what Sheffield Wednesday would be valued at and far beyond what Transiri paid for Wednesday, you know, crying poverty at this point and with better TV deals and whatever, you know, the cut the Wednesday is getting from iFollow or from Sky Sports, you know, looking to shave payroll, shave uh, game day staff, shave, you know, what would be backroom staff, front office staff. Uh, So I think it's, you know, admirable. I don't want to say admirable, I'm not right, but it's, you know, it's just, it's the current reality is that say what you will about sort of his 
you know, trying to flog Wednesday fans for cardboard cutouts or three-year season tickets that, you know, guarantee you, even if they get into the Premier League, the, you know, the, the price won't go up, that kind of stuff. You know, it, that's that's the reality of FFP and the reality of trying to bring revenue in because he can't just spend his own money willy-nilly to, you know, build out the, you know, the starting eleven. Yeah, it's a, this is a, it's a wait and see issue. I'm, you know, if you wanted to be, uh, you know, if you wanted to get worked up about it, I guess you can. can, Look, it can go bad. It can go bad for any team is the thing. Again, like you said, Justin, we're only 10 years away from a winding up order and having, you know, basically Milan Mandarich come in and bail the team out. Wednesday easily could have been starting over in, Whatever it is, well, I don't even know what it would have been called then. Whatever the sort of conference north, uh, you know, the seventh tier of English football as, you know, the Wednesday Football Club or whatever, and or some new name, and that didn't happen. But you know, where are we really that far removed from Bolton or Blackpool or Barry or you know any club? It can oh, fall I, fast. I actually think we are to a certain degree because of Davon Chancery who. Again, I'm, I'm not here to, you know, and I'm not one of these people who's, I don't think he's done a fabulous job, but I, I think we've got somebody who's shown to be, at least from a monetary standpoint, I, I don't think we've had any issues with that. This isn't, we're not these these owners I who mean, are- financially stable, which is all you could really yeah, ask yeah. for, I guess, that's if you're a, outside of the Premier League. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I remember walking around- Bay Ridge with my wife in Brooklyn. This is probably you know, six years ago now. Listening to us fuck it up against Yeovil Town when they were down to 10 men. I had the game in my earphones. We were walking around because nine ten. men, no? It might, it might, I don't even remember. It ended up being 1 1. And like, you know, Yeovil Town was punching above their weight at that point. But like, you know, another team that's just kind of like the bottom dropped out shortly afterwards. And look, we talked about the massive and we talk about being, you know, 20, like Bolton's been in the Premier League more recently than we have. Blackpool's been in the Premier League more recently than we have. You know, this can go bad in a number of different ways. And I don't think taking out a line of credit against the stadium is uh, going to be a, a death now. It's just a financial reality at this point when you can't put, you know, twenty to 25,000 in there once or twice a week. I think it's, it's like fairly standard practice to take a mortgage out on an asset too, right? Cheap, sure. cheap debt, interest tax deductible. It, it might just be clever business and making sure you've got money in the right places at the right time. So let's just hope the paperwork was filed properly and on time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait another year for that. Uh, speaking of the missing at 25,000 fans at Hillsborough, uh, Wednesday sent out an open letter on their website to the fans saying that they would like have fans back in the stadium as soon as possible but they are going right. to you know yeah more or less they're <laughs> gonna they're gonna, too. they're gonna follow you know all whatever health and safety procedures up until then oh they miss us they really miss us yeah. and i'm money i mean I, like it's just not the same without the team getting booed off the pitch at nil no against qpr on saturday it's an intrinsic part of the wednesday fan experience 
I did like uh, Warnock's comments at the weekend, uh, so I should bring up the uh, devil incarnate. Yeah. But he did say he would like to be booed one more time before he retires. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. You got to give him credit. You know, that I said this in, uh, in sort of like various other, not WhatsApp, but like Twitter DMs. With a with a variety of soccer, they're a Mets, it's a Mets DM, but they're a variety of soccer fans. Like, I appreciate Warnock as a villain. Like he's a good villain. It's like Gary Oldman. Like you need you need Gary Oldman. You need that kind of like pantomime villain. Like he plays the role well. Um, you know, he was probably born twenty years too late. He would have won a Premier League title or a first division title in the seventies with somebody. Oh yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy. Are we looking forward to the Middlesbrough match again? You know. Yeah, I don't know if I do. He's he's a little too much of a pig. Yeah, right. uh, we were saying earlier about uh, again off, but the idea of you know if if United struggles lead them to to be relegated, uh, as much as I would sort of enjoy that, I don't want anything to do with a derby. Uh, I don't want anything to do with playing. Neil Warnock teams because it it doesn't end well and then he's smug and ugh. I'm, I'm glad he didn't die of COVID I'll give him that how about <laughs> <laughs> I like I I just want to see them you know panic fire Chris Wilder and replace him with Neil Warnock and well yeah. I feel like you think Big Sam would go there. Oh, definitely. In Big a, Sam. In a heartbeat. Big yeah. Sam. Big Sam and uh, United are kind yeah. of like wedded, surely, to be together eventually. Mm. I don't want to like... speculate on the Sheffield United manager. Let's talk until next time. <laughs> 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 All right. We'll move on instead, Patty, to dispatches from Cypriot soccer. Fucking hell. <laughs> and unfortunately, in the final Europa League qualifying round, Applewell fell 1 0 on a stoppage time. Penalty to FC Slovan Libric from the Czech League. Please tell me Hutch tackled somebody from behind in the box. No, Hutch is on a different Cypriot soccer team. Oh, that's no, right. That's as new he is. My Cypriot soccer knowledge seems to be lagging after missing the last couple of weeks. That's good. You can you can catch up with the rest of us. This will be the inaugural edition of Dispatches from Indian Soccer because... Gary Hooper is continuing his whirlwind 20,000 pound a week in local currency retirement tour. I don't know what he's actually making. I'm just stabbing at a number. Gary Oldman into this. (laughs) If he hasn't negotiated again a box for his family at that stadium, then he's doing it all wrong. Well, he has signed. There's plenty of room because it's a 80,000 steep stadium for the Kerala Blasters FC. He can have a whole. uh, Sexing for his family at that rate. I do like the um, the so media we, around this. We have to talk about that. some of the tweets here, Patty. <laughs> yeah. So Kerala Blasters uh, FC on Twitter. Uh, they they spent a lot of time uh, announcing Gary Hooper. They were clearly very excited about him. But the most baffling. I mean, look, if Wednesday them... was announcing Gary Hooper, I'd be fucking excited right now. <laughs> so good for them. <laughs> I'm not going to go spend too much because this is a visual thing that you have to look hmm. at. I'm going to we'll retweet it for Miles Americas after yeah. seeing how I look at it. But um, they put a uh, it says spoilers without context for our new super signing. So it's a photo um, of the Seattle skyline you probably saw in the opening credits of Frasier in the early two thousands. 
And apparently the, the, the motto there is, it's a beautiful day to save lives. I had no <laughs> idea that what that was until I looked at the comments. Then there's a picture of Canary. Obvious one. We'll sure. give them that one. The, the, the third one's confusing because it's a picture of Batman and the bat signal. And mm -hmm. I was trying to think of what the connection between Batman and Gary Hooper is. And then the fourth one is a picture even more confusing. It's a picture of Harry Harry Potter's glasses and the kind of uh, lightning thing. If you didn't know this was Gary Hooper signing, and there's some rumors around, I would not have guessed Gary Hooper on those four <laughs> clues. And shall we, shall we, <laughs> we'll tweet this afterwards, but essentially the, the Seattle skyline with the motto, uh, it's, a good, it's a beautiful day to save lives, that's a reference to Grey's Anatomy. Hmm. Therefore, <laughs> they're linking that to Grey's Athletic, which Gary Hooper started his career, I think. Yeah. So that's that was one clue. <laughs> the next one, obviously, Yellowbird, Norwich, Canary, boom, for that. The Batman link, I'm giving this from this one guy called Potterhead on the, the comments. Batman link, Gary Oldman, someone said. That was the clue to Gary Hooper. But it's not a picture of the, the, um, the copper in Batman. It's the... It's Batman. Yeah. So how he would have got that from that, I would not I have no idea. A lot uh, of other Gary's that you could have tweeted a picture of. <laughs> Just put a picture of Gary Oldman up. The guy who isn't Gary. <laughs> not a picture of Batman. <laughs> and then last one, Harry Potter. No explanation for that. Just Harry Potter. He's British, I assume. That was all I love in that the... suggestion. Yep. It's a British thing. <laughs> it's a British <laughs> thing. It's fucking Scottish. <laughs> 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 oh, it's not Scottish, is he? Is he Scottish? Oh, it's been a lot of time in Scotland. It's half Scottish. Uh, but yeah, weirdest fucking like spoiler type tweets from ever Carl Bastards. Then they spent another four tweets after that just announcing almost in stages how amazing Gary Hooper is. It was very strange. I'll, I'll, I'll retweet a few. Please, yeah, put it out with a link to the pod. It, it must be seen. It's staggering. Tom will appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, Patty, do we have any other business? I was thinking an injury run through. Why not? Sure. Let's, let's end the positive. Oh, well, that's not a positive. <laughs> Jesus. I, I suppose we could have saved it till next week when all these injuries are off. But let me run through it quickly. We got Tom Lee's with a groin, and uh, my notes have a giant question mark after that. <laughs> Uh, we got Dominic Iorfa with a hamstring, uh, who amongst them is not too serious, which is nice because I, I had no idea going into uh, the QPR game that he was touched up at all. And, and in fact, they said a month, which is not great. Yeah, but, you know, I, I hope international it's break. It's fine. Yeah, it could be worse. Uh, Liam Palmer's got a back uh, injury, which. Really, the only bummer for him, he's missing, he's missing uh, the playoff Scotland's. games. Yeah, yeah, which he's been getting the burn for them. So, um, and, and actually, it was suggested from what I saw that he may be back uh, in time for Birmingham. Uh, unfortunately, that Liam Shaw ankle injury is—I have three question marks I after look that bad. in my notes. So, I mean, you never—you never know, because like it's. He got rolled up on. It could just be a you know a bad sprain, and he's back in three weeks, or it could be could be a mild sprain. Yeah. He's back next week. Mm -hmm. You don't know. I will say that in my notes uh, from the game, it's the very first. Oh, actually, the second thing I wrote. First thing I wrote was same goddamn kickoff play. <laughs> um, but the second thing I wrote was JFC Shaw, which hmm. we don't have to go into that. But Jesus. Uh, 
So Shay Dunkley is uh, finally coming back from his legs. <laughs> <We're> all, <yeah. laughs> it looks like uh, it looks like he's going to be playing with the U23 soon. It says um, a lot that the guy that had two broken legs is now our fittest defender. Maybe, <laughs> jeez. Um, uh, Urogidi has a uh, is coming back from a knee, but I guess he's been playing for the U23s and, yeah, and yeah. starting to get back into form. Um, Izzy Brown's knee was described by Kerry Monk as quote being more of a dead leg type of thing, which I don't know what that is, but Izzy himself suggests uh, he thinks he'll be back soon and expects to be ready by Birmingham, whether or not he's in or not, who knows. And then Alex Hunt had taken a knock uh, a couple weeks ago. I think it was a, was it a cup game that we thought he was going to play in? And then he got subbed out at the last minute. It was a Fulham game. Then, yeah. Okay. Thank you. And then he, should have been ready this past week, but was sick. Uh, so I think we can expect Alex Hunt back. So I'm hoping after that two weeks, I, I think Hunt should be back. Brown should be back. Uh, Palmer should be back. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, Lees and Iorfa, which is two thirds of our back line, um, you know, they may or may not be. May may or may not be ready to go. So we can use them for Brentford. I know that. I mean, if it's, if there's a good time to get that many injuries, it is the day before the international break. So I, I am kind of excited to see Dunkley. And uh, if he can get some more games on his belts in the under-23s the next two weeks, I'd, I'd like to see him beat against Birmingham, hopefully. I will just add that while well, Liam Palmer may be missing out for Scotland, Eddie Newhue has been selected for the Sweet. Euro 2020 qualifying playoff against North Macedonia. Spicy. Yes. Kosovo should win that group or that whatever, that bracket. They should get in, which is pretty cool. We'll get a, I'm a little disappointed we won't get the Addy Newhue Panini card with the Sheffield Wednesday logo on it now for Euro 2021, but <laughs> them's the breaks, I guess. Well, maybe Scotland will backdoor their way in through the Nations League and uh, we can get a Liam Palmer card. Well, wonders never cease. I love that he's still getting selected every time and Bannon isn't. But I guess, you know, on form right now, are you really going to... You know, we don't need to do at this point in the pod. Get into Barry Bannon. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Do you have any other business, Patty? Well, zero business, uh, Jeff. You got zero business, zero percent beer. Yeah. <laughs> is that beer? Zero jokes. Uh, so, this has been episode 108 of the Owls Americast. Currently looking for season sponsors. You can get in touch at owlsamericas.com or owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can also find and follow us on Twitter at Owls Americas. And then we're on Instagram at Owls Americas as well. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts there's no wrong way to listen to the show just do what feels right wherever you choose to consume the owls americast we ask that you rate and review the show it helps more wednesdays find our ramblings justin is on twitter at new england owl justin what will you be doing this weekend with wednesday unable to ruin it i will actually be waiting till monday and as a man of flemish heritage 
I'll be looking forward to Belgium smashing England in international <laughs> competition. <laughs> well, I should make next week spicy then. <laughs> Dispatches from Belgian soccer. Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A. Jones. Patty, you also have a free Saturday from the uh, joy of watching Wednesday can see late. So what will you be doing? Well, I'm going to go and follow the English tradition uh, and to have some kind of COVID party with lots of like young girls <laughs> uh, just ahead of a big international match. <laughs> Patty, does your wife know about this? Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to go into like a non-league day English tradition instead of that. English <laughs> one. Yeah. Slightly, uh, slightly off board. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and I don't know what I'm going to do this Saturday. I might, uh, I hit the old farmer's market, try to find some fall produce, you know, mask up and whatnot. Keep Join the my, party. COVID party. Keep, keep my social distance. <laughs> Trying uh, resolutely not to get COVID. <laughs> so... Assuming I can still uh, stand like a normal person, walk upstairs and breathe, we'll see you back here next week.